The 80s saw George return to the zombie genre with a major bang. And on top of it, the guy is bringing in tens of millions of dollars with movies like Creepshow, Day of the Dead, and writing Creepshow 2. After Monkey Shines, though, George's pace slows down. From 1990 to 2000, he will only release three full-length films, two of which had already been filmed from 1989 to 1991. Knowing the typical Hollywood narrative, you'd assume George's career is done. But like the Godfather himself said, just like his zombies, he won't stay dead. This is Serial Killer. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Horror Show Show. Dissects, mutilates, dismembers, and butchers all of your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies and other horror-related events. I'm Sean. I'm Joe. What's going on, Joe? What's going on, man? Hey, man, how did we not talk about Will Byer's stupid haircut on the Patreon bonus episode? It's bad. It's It's bad. It's fucking brutal, baby. (laughs) (laughs) insane insane that they would allow that on television but hey what what can you do with you know anyway we had a great patreon bonus episode it was really fun um it was i enjoyed it um a lot of music chat a lot of music chat which we'll talk about a little bit here too um because george, george romero does makes a couple funny decisions in the uh, year 1999 2000 yeah. but um we're back with serial killer part three on george romero um so are you liking it are you liking doing not not are you liking the movies are you liking doing the serial killer um here's what i'm gonna say and i would even start it as soon as this winter i like serial killer a lot it's fun it it makes me sink my teeth in a little bit more i'd love i i I would do as soon as this winter, but I was going to say at least once a year going forward, we should choose a director and just go through it like we're doing. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Or like some some kind of linear thing that you can yeah. track. Um, now series, the, yeah. The reason I said winter is because I don't want to do it in the summer ever again. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we have shit that we're so much going doing. on. Yeah, yeah. Like, dude, it's, like, honestly, so we talked about it a little bit on the bonus about how um, it's insane that we're fitting in three movies or four sometimes um, each week where we were struggling <laughs> with one movie just weeks ago, weeks ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm repeating myself from what I just said on the, on the Patreon, but like literally before we started this, I'd be like, how am I going to squeeze this fucking movie in this week? And it was just one movie. And somehow now I'm, I'm go- I've gone to more concerts in the last two weeks. Than I've gone to in the last five years. And I'm somehow watching six fucking Romero movies and being able to talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's a weird... I'm with you. Winter would be better. Winter would be sick, dude. I, I got no problems. I'll throw three movies on in the winter time. But it's... I don't want to say it sucks. It doesn't suck. But, like, I'm trying to, like, balance right now. And it, it's fine. It's fine. I'm enjoying Serial Killer. But I'm also like, boy, I wish I could watch this movie outside, like... <laughs> while, while I'm hanging out outside doing something, but um, 
I'm really enjoying it. I'm really enjoying Serial Killer, though. Um, yeah. I, it was, uh, I think it was a mental hurdle to get back to doing it because I just remember it took, it, it took a lot out of me every time we did it last time, like in terms of like production and stuff. But then this time it's been easy. So I don't know. Yeah. I fucking just pro. record that shit. Fucking boat. You're a pro now. Send it out. I don't think that's what it is. I think I probably just give a <laughs> fuck. Don't give as many fucks about it. I don't know how to say it. Uh, I, it's, I don't know. I think. We're different, different setup now. I don't know. I don't edit that much, so it's I don't know. I don't know what I was doing before. I'll be quite frank with you. <laughs> but also, hey, here's the other thing about it. Fucking Reagan, another shout out this week because she's just making great shit. And like, serial killer is something you don't just like make and put out. You know what I mean? Like, there's like some production value to it. So it's like you want to promote it a lot. And that was, I think that was probably the most work. So I appreciate Reagan doing that for us during this one. Cause I, that's honestly probably what makes it easier is I just fucking edit it and send it out. So, um, for sure. But yeah, no. Um, so George Romero, we left off last week at creep show. No day of the dead. I'm sorry. Day of, day the, of dead. the dead. 1985. Uh, but we fast-forwarded through Creepshow 2, which he just writes. He's not a director on. Monkey Shines, which he writes and directs. We did a full episode. We did a, check, check that out. Um, and then Tales from the Dark Side, which he writes and is made in 1990. Yes. Um, and he also uh, is involved with the Night of the Living Dead remake in 1990. Yes. Yeah, yeah. God, man, I can't even believe that. Which I love so much. I fucking... Love that movie. One of the greatest remakes of all time. Which Justin Lore, uh, who is part of a horror business podcast, messaged me. And he said that in the remake, which I, I don't remember, but in the remake, remember how we were joking about the guy being like, they're coming to get you, Barbara? And he's just talking about an old man like yeah. out there. In the remake, he is just an old man. Oh, he's not, he's not a zombie. He's not a zombie. <laughs> Isn't it Bill Mosley playing yes, that part? Yes, it's Bill Mosley. <laughs> Just a confused old man that this guy's like, you fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I didn't realize that. Dude, it fucking killed me. He was like, no, he's 100% not a zombie. And it's like verified in the movie. Like it's confirmed in the movie. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's fucking amazing. Um, so before we jump into the movies yeah. that we're going to talk about this week, he, I mean, George has a pretty damn good... 80s, right? I mean, safe safe to say, a pretty fucking legendary 80s, right? Absolutely. But he also kind of like slows down a bit between mm-hmm. movies from from day um, to Monkey Shines and then into the 90s. And I was looking into it. He was attached to make so many damn movies that could have been like out of this world. And Laurel Entertainment, which produced, you know, put out a lot of the movies that he did, was going to be like or at least have like a subdivision that was just going to be a horror studio with George. And they're going to make, you know, TV series like they were doing with tales from the dark side. They're going to make a creep show franchise. And he was going to partner up with Stephen King. And he was attached to do pet cemetery, Salem's lot and the stand. So nuts. But like they all, they all fell through. And like the stand, um, I think I even had like stills and stuff that you can like find out there, but uh, yeah, fell through. That's Which, crazy. The storyboards are out there. Yeah. Um, sorry, I was just reading my own notes there. Um, and it was going to go through Warner Brothers. And, like, I would have fucking loved to see that, man. 
he was attached to so much shit and will continue to be attached on to shit through like the 90s and 2000s. Like he yeah. was going to do the Goosebump show. He was going to do all of these different fucking things. I can't even think of them. I read like a dozen of them today. He's going to do um a thing called Copperhead, which was partnership with Marvel. So like think about that time. He could have kicked off Marvel. And I think it was an original comic that they were going to make like with George, but he was going to to make that. And it fell through with Laurel, Laurel Studios falling through. And what I heard was like Laurel Studios was was raising a lot of money, um, and then it just wasn't going towards anything worthwhile, and just kind of fizzled fizzled out. He this guy has had such a fucking career, man, and and bigger than I he thought. Was a, way bigger, way bigger, and he was attached to uh, Resident Evil. Yeah, and he directed that's right a, Res- yeah. a commercial for the video game Resident Evil Two, mm-hmm. which is you can find it on YouTube. And it's just a, a commercial that only aired in Japan, didn't air outside of Japan, and it has Brad Renfro as like the guy, the, the that's kid, great. And Adrian France, and it's a legitimate like it has George all over it. I mean, there's there's like great looking zombies in this thirty second commercial. It has better production value than like, most of the movies that we see. That's so nuts. And it, like, oh yeah, he was also attached to do like The Girl Who Loved Tom Gordon, which I think they're yeah, still Stephen trying King. to make. Like, the guy's just like gotten his hands into like everything. He was oh, he was attached to everything. I think I don't know, I'd be curious about that. I, I don't know. He also yeah. loved having a low budget. Dude, I think that like that that plays into it. Like I, I don't want to say he was a pushover because I know nothing about the guy, but I feel like if he was like hungrier or, or just more just like, fuck you, I'm doing this. Like, give me, give me what I want. Or like working with more star power, he could have got more of that made. Um, So he has an interesting quote. Um, Cause he was very much like, he was very much um, a proponent of like low budget. He, he preferred it. Um, but he also has a quote. I'm trying to find it right now. To, so I don't fucking butcher it, but um, he was basically like, you only have freedom in low budget and then like mega budget. He's like, you don't get any freedom in that fucking middle area. Um, which is where he's kind of residing right now. Um, he's kind of residing in these like middle of the road studio films right now. Um, and this, this episode will kind of be the end of that. Yeah. This is this is his last, uh, his last. I don't know. I don't know what word to use for it. But he he's done with Hollywood after this episode. He's gonna do uh, two evil eyes, which calling that Hollywood seems crazy, but it did have a decent budget for it. Um, and there's another movie where it was supposed to be like, like I, w- I wonder if it's just George that's just like, because like I feel like most Hollywood people try not to like let things loose, but I feel like George just tells everyone everything, and that's why there's so many like George was attached to that. You know what I mean? You read that shit on the internet usually, and you're like, oh, that's weird. I've never heard that. But George must just go around being like, yeah, we were gonna do this. So Two Evil Eyes was actually supposed to be include John Carpenter and um, Stephen Wes. King. Stephen right? King. I thought Wes was was uh, attached, or maybe it was Wes and Stephen King. It might be no, it's John Carpenter and Stephen King. And Stephen King was yeah, like, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it was right after Maximum Overdrive. So Stephen King was like, no, absolutely fucking not. Which is such a fucking bummer. Which is such a fucking bummer because we did Maximum Overdrive. It's not a bad movie, dude. 
So I actually, I don't think I was on that episode. Or, <laughs> I don't think I've watched it in forever. Uh, I think that was when I was on. Uh, oh, it might have just been me and Paul. It might have just been me and Paul. But, but dude, I, I thought I was like losing my mind. But right here it says John Carpenter and Stephen King were considered to direct two of the segments. And then it also says right here, Dario Argento wanted it to be Romero, Carpenter, Craven, and himself. So both uh, – I think I think Argento was just uh, – Argento is such a – dude, I'm going to say something. I'm his, gonna eye, s- his eyes were bigger than his stomach. Right, dude. That Dude, like, yeah, of course you want Wes Craven. Like, what the fuck are you saying? Like, Wes Craven doesn't even fit that creepy vibe that these guys have. Like, these guys all have, like, a fucking creepy fucking vibe. And, and you know what I mean? Like, they can all make creepy shit. Wes Craven's not, like, creepy. He's – He's just a fucking weirdo. He's just he just makes weird shit. He's not he doesn't fit into that anthology whatsoever. It's way, it makes way more sense for Stephen King to be involved in it. But um now it says Carpenter and Craven pulled out. So I guess at, at least they were proposed it, but it got me thinking movie trivia is so funny because some guy can literally just be like, "Yeah, I was going to have, you know, and you could just name like I was going to have John Wayne be in this." Like did you ask him or did you just want him to be in it? And like, if you didn't ask him, you could still be part of a trivia. Like John Wayne was considered. Like we, We've talked about that. And on this show in the past about how, like you'll read the thing and it'd be like, they thought they were going to like some fucking movie with a $5,000 budget. will be like, oh, this is they originally wanted Sarah Michelle Geller in it. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, no shit. We, everyone wanted Sarah Michelle Geller in their fucking movie. Fucking muck. Luck of the Irish was probably like, oh, they wanted uh <laughs> fucking Freddie Prince Jr. Yeah. No shit. You would have taken anybody, but you did. You, you, that wasn't possible. <laughs> like wrote the part. specifically. Right. Oh Freddie. yeah. We wrote this for uh, Seth Green. <laughs> yeah. No shit. You fucking dumb idiot. <laughs> like that shit always pisses me off like it's true and it is like a fact like people read it off like hey they were fucking <laughs> ready to roll no they weren't they weren't they were the only good ones are when they were cast and then like declined it or something or like cast and then they had to like leave the shoot and they yeah. had to reshoot it or whatever that's 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 where i draw the line on that um, it's so funny. Written specifically for this guy. <laughs> the, that, that guy is reading it at the same time we are. <laughs> I could write something for somebody right now. <laughs> Fucking <Yeah. laughs> mean shit. Um, oh, can we shout out Johnny? Two people. Um, Johnny Johnny Viggs. Um, yes. Who actually, I'll shout him out um, second. I, I want to shout him out second. I want to shout out Jenna uh, Vashon first, who drew that cool painting. Yes. Um, me and her are buds. Uh, she's really cool from Canada. Um, makes great Pokemon art. I'll shout out her thing if you're into that. J Vachon, V-A-C-H-O-N 81. Check out her artwork. She did one for the horror show that was just so fucking cool. It was great. And like the comments, uh, I, I threw it up on my stories and people were like, this is fucking awesome. Like, yeah. It's it, incredible. It's really neat. And it like encapsulates like the fucking late night shit that we were inspired by. Um, yeah. And then Johnny Vig, who works for Crocs, he's our Croc, he's our Croc plug. Um, I love, he's such a good guy. He's such a good guy. He messages us every once in a while. He messaged us though, and he asked us a question that I thought was so fucking good. And it was, do you think that if George Romero were alive today, he would be rocking with A24? The answer is yes. It was a great question that Johnny said, and like all all of us in that chat were like, "Yeah," and it would be Martin. Like Martin. that scene from Mart, that scene from Martin, 
Martin is is the the prototype for A twenty four. I think you, might, lot. you said that, and I was like, "Fuck!" I think you're right. Like, dude, I mean, we both liked Martin, so I'm not saying this as an insult, but like, it's a whole lot of nothing for a majority of that movie. And we were debating: is Martin a vampire? I don't fucking know. <laughs> yeah. like, we don't know what was what was the resolve of that. And there's a scene where the character that we think is a vampire. Shows up dressed as a fucking vampire. Like, oh god, finally he's a vampire. And then he's he's just wearing a Dracula costume, <laughs> being an asshole in a park. And that's the most A twenty four shit I've ever seen. Absolutely, absolutely. And again, like you said, like there's no real clear evidence either way. Is he a vampire or is he not? Or what the fuck is going on? Like, and the fucking black and white shots that are dream sequences. You could yes. interpret it either as a dream sequence or a flashback. Yes. If he's really a vampire, it's a flashback. If it's not, it's a fucking dream sequence. That come on, like what are we doing? Yeah. Like the dude was fucking made for that shit. Like I mean, we're we're on we're on episode three now, and it just becomes more and more apparent with everything that he's done that he is the father of everybody's style that yes. has come after him. Like, yeah, he, there's not a single person that could say they didn't draw influence from Romero. No. Whether intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the guy does whatever the fuck he wants still, which is fucking crazy. It's fucking crazy. Like, this guy could have just rode the fucking coattails out of zombies, put his name on every fucking zombie thing ever made, and just try to sell it. And instead, in the 90s, he's like, no, I'm not really going to work that much. I want to work with Argento, so let's do that. I, You know, he had already met, worked with him as a producer on um, Dawn of the Dead. Dawn. Now I get to direct side by side with him. Then I'm going to do a Stephen King thing because me and him are just buds. We, we just fucking love each other. Um, and then Bruiser, which. What the fuck was that? What? What the fuck was Bruiser? And I don't even mean that in a negative way. I don't mean that in a negative way at all. Why is why has no one ever talked about Bruiser ever to me? I think Bruiser fucking rocks. I think Bruiser was fucking Sean, cool as fuck. I think all three of these movies looked miserable just based on the like, cover and, and title. I'm like and, and it's in the 90s, right? Right? Yeah. That time frame is just a lull for for, for sure, right? for sure. Not until not until Scream came in ninety-six. Like yep. that whole period before it was just like run-of-the-mill mundane bullshit. Yeah. So I was like, this is going to be a big dip in quality. He's just going to go through the motions. Dude, all three of these are fucking good. They're fucking... I want to say it. They're fucking good. Like, Bruiser... I'm not I'm not going to lie and say Bruiser's one of Romero's best. It's, it's, it's certainly not. It, 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 Bruiser is fucking weird, but for, like, enjoyment, it's way better than it had any right to be. Dude, I was like captivated by I you know, I've been sick. I've I've got the vid and I um I started Bruiser last night and if I hadn't taken Nyquil, I would have stayed up way late just to finish it. It was like that movie. Like it was one of those movies where you're like, "Well, I got to see what the fuck is going on here." Like Yeah. It really like makes you Pretty stick unique. Up. Yeah. It's super unique. I've never seen anything fucking like that. And I was and it's kind of stupid, but it's like it's fucking. It works. Also, it works. really good. Like I don't know. Like there's nothing wrong with that movie. Like I don't. I can't. I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. I mean, how do I say that? Um, the shit that kind of comes off as corny or stupid is is not that bad. It's it's like you think about it and you're like, that's weird. But it's like 2000, the year 2000. Like everything kind of fucking sucked. 
if an up and comer, if that was like an up and comer's first movie, you'd be like, "This oh my god, fucking stuck for sure, can't wait for sure." It. Kind of along with the A twenty four conversation we we're just having, like it's a fucking weirdo movie. Why is that? Why do you wake up with a mask on? Why and it was happen? like, <laughs> dude, it was like a French <laughs> movie, and you can definitely feel some like French influence in that. Like, yeah, it, you definitely can feel it. But like, then it makes me wonder, and, and I don't know the answer to this. So, I, I I'm trying to think of. When did all of those like really hyped French horror films start coming out? Wasn't it like later in the two thousands? It was like two thousand two, two thousand three, or was it yeah, maybe like before when, Bruiser? Like, like high tension, high tension. Martyrs. The fucking yeah, Martyrs. Martyrs is a good one. Yeah. Martyrs. When, when did that come out? Two thousand eight. So those were later in the two thousand. High tension was like oh three. I'll be honest. I think George Romero fucking set those movies up. <laughs> Like, dude, if this is a French film, right? It's it's Studio Canal. It was French backed. It probably got big f- play in France. How does that not influence horror? Like, I like think about like the way that movie is set up, the way it's kind of shot. Like, you can see similarities in that to the, yeah. to those other French films. Um, and taking like the crazy absurd and bringing it into um what George does best, which is like everyday life. Yeah, and and again with all of these movies, all three of these movies that nobody talks about, and that I certainly didn't give a fuck about watching until <laughs> I watched them, he gets really good performances out of everybody. Every Bruiser has well, Bruiser Bruiser has Peter Stormare, who, yes. who's well known, and and he's great, and he's such a good sleazeball. Oh my God. But like the main guy in Bruiser, who the fuck is that guy? Dude, that looks, I don't know. Dude, that guy looks as vanilla as you could possibly look. Like the, the least interesting person to look at. Why is he the star? But he gets a good performance out of him. Like I, I liked it. Man. I thought the same thing. I was like, I was like, how do you cast this guy? Because he's not exactly the most handsome guy. So in my head, I was like, because in the role, you kind of want like a handsome dude. And I was like, it's not like they asked for like, give me your most handsome actor. So, so I was curious how they cast that guy. Um, yeah, Bruiser was something, man. I'm I'm excited to talk we about just- him. Could we just make some noise for Tom Atkins? Because we all know Tom Atkins from Halloween 3, and we know him from, from Night of the Creeps. Dude, this guy, this guy, he's showing up in bit parts, and he's just blowing it away. Like, he is, Bro. He is the best in any movie that he's in, in, in these movies. When he shows up, you're just like, holy fuck, this guy's awesome. Wait, we also have to give it up for the nurse from... <laughs> from Monkey Shines, who appears in... Oh, his wife. His wife. <laughs> oh, and that's support. why yeah. she's in all yeah. of them. <laughs> she's in all of them. Yeah. Bro. Night Riders. Yeah. Bro, yeah. she is in all of these and playing a nurse or like a care, like a, a child daycare person, like a, what a, a nanny. Yeah. A nanny. And like every, every film, she's like, Jesus fucking... Christ. And I remember she came in for the nanny part and I was she shows up and I was like, oh my God. First of all, should we be calling these the nurse trilogy? Is she the one that's the bringing hell, bringing hell wherever she goes? Whoa. Or is it Tom Atkins, the cop in all of them? <laughs> um, but the, ner- the, Ch- the nurse trilogy. <laughs> well, fuck, we'll talk about it in Bruiser more, but... There is dialogue that Tom Atkins says that can't be scripted. You know what I'm talking about when when the guy is the guy is destroying evidence by hanging it out the window. Oh, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, yeah. dude. Was, they must have like I, they must have told Atkins like just say whatever you want because he's acting honestly acting like my dad, just like 
trying to be like an insult comic, just <laughs> ripping this guy. I know. <laughs> I know. I know. There was that. I thought you were going to go to that conversation where that him and that guy say the word dame 30 times to each other. <laughs> I'll be honest, like I love I love fucking George. That is actually just bad writing in the sense that they just kept using the same word over and over. No no one on earth has ever said dame that many times. Dame, you dame. I actually counted it, it was seven times in ninety-four seconds. So in a, in a movie from the year two thousand that also takes place <laughs> in the year two thousand. Correct. Let's suppose, thank you for clarifying that. Dame was not a fucking like if it, dude. If it was in Night Riders, I'd be fine with it, but not not a fucking Bruiser. Fucking Dame. <laughs> um, I fucking love it. I fucking love it. That that girl. Oh, what I was gonna say, his wife playing the nanny was great when because she, she walked in. And finally, she wasn't the nurse. Because every every scene she's introduced, it's like, oh, here's the nurse. And it's her. And you're like, oh, shit. Um, except for, I forget which one. Bru- I don't know. She's a nanny in one of them. Bruiser? No. There's no kids in Bruiser. Is there? No. No. I don't know. So it's the other one. Um, the dark half. She's a, the nanny. And uh, she walks in. And I was like, oh, she's actually fucking pleasant in this one. Like, she actually seemed like kind of kind and nice because she's like taking care of the kids she immediately picks up the kids and is like jesus fucking christ and like just clumps up the stairs and i was like oh i fucking love this i love it you gave his wife these parts where she's just absolutely fucking Dude, miserable we talked about it in monkey shines but her performance in monkey shines is, is hall of fame worthy because she has one job to do and she is just absolutely livid and, and this guy can't move right the entire time. Like he's not making her do that much out of the ordinary. <laughs> Dude, it's it's honestly everything bothered her, and everything continues to bother her in these two movies. I think she might be carrying a dark a dark spirit I like around that. with I her. I like that. The she nurse is. trilogy. It's it's monkey shines, two evil eyes, and the dark half. Well, I like it. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's get into it. Two Evil Eyes, as we've already said, was a 1990, um, originally intended to be an anthology. Um, of course, Tom Savini's involved. Um, Julie Benz gets her acting break, not in, um, not in this one, but in, um, Argento's. Um, this one's called The Facts in the Case of Mr. Valdemir. Now rolls rolls right off the tongue. <laughs> one of the worst titles for anything ever. <laughs> a the fucking fucking Valkenvania. <laughs> Valkenvania. Thank you. Holy shit! What a pull. Yeah, Valkenvania of titles that that needed to be checked. Um, <clears throat> starring Adrian. And by the way, guys, I'm sorry if I fucking clear my throat on this fucking thing. I'm I've got fucking COVID. All right, fucking deal with it um starring adrian barbeau yes great as always she's 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 fantastic um now these were based on edgar Allan poe now i don't want to say based i don't think they use the term based it's in it's like inspired by edgar Allan poe so do we do we know if this is oh this is actually a story okay this one is um the Argento segment. It's like uh is 
is based on a story, but he also used like elements from a bunch other of stories. stories. Dude, it was yeah. so fucking weird. Like and using names of like po- like he got yes. really into it. He got really into it. He did. Did you watch both segments? I did. Did you? I did. I have something to say about Argento. <laughs> okay. It's not complimentary to Argento, I'll be honest. <laughs> okay, uh, do we want to kick off with Argento, even though it was the second part? <laughs> I'm fine with kicking off Argento because we shouldn't highlight it too much. I have a problem okay. with Dario, Dario Argento. and uh, Let's, What's going on? My problem is obviously great, right? Maybe the... Is it... Can I guess it? Yeah. Is it the fact that Harvey Keitel is wearing a beret and acting like like the most passive person, but then in the other scene he's the most like grizzled, drunk, like war vet like, maniac? Because because they like switch dude, when you're introduced to him at first, like our gentle set him up to be this like bumbling dweeb. Like cause even the police are like, Oh, this fucking mutt over here, like watch out, don't 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 get too close to the crime scene. And you're like, Oh, this guy's like a bumbling loser. And then the next scene, he's just like sitting in a restaurant, like a grizzled old fucking maniac. And just abusing his wife and killing animals for the rest of the movie. So, yeah, that's probably a big, <laughs> my biggest problem with it, was that Harvey Keitel didn't appear to know how to have ever dressed or drank in his life. <laughs> when he goes to that restaurant, he's wearing a fucking French beret, and he, he's like, he, I've never seen somebody eat so much salt to take a shot in my life. The guy's, like, sucking down salt. Like, it's it's bizarre scene. Um, that, that did bother me. The animal killing... Bothered me. So FYI, guys, the second segment, I've never seen a cat murdered more in my life. Uh, they just <laughs> they kept killing a cat. So that was weird. Um, and that's where I kind of was like, why does this motherfucker always need to kill a fucking animal in his fucking movies? Like, he's always got a fucking lizard or a fucking bird. And then I was like, as much credit as we give him. By the way, I like, I love him. I love him. But maybe these guys that we love, sometimes they take cheap ways out for shock value. Sure. And I was like, maybe this fucking guy would just wanted to shock people. like, And he couldn't come up with anything. So he was just like, I'm going to fucking kill this animal. So in this one specifically, and I also, I, I do want to say, I liked Argento's segment. Like I, I thought yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fun. I liked Romero's better. Uh, but I didn't think, think it was just like completely unnecessary. And also throwing in that, like, Renaissance fair. It was exhausting. The fucking getting, thing was getting, exhausting. Getting his Knight Rider on. The, the, the thing was <laughs> totally inspired by Knight Rider. Um, it, that, that segment was, like, really exhausting. Harvey Keitel, by the way, is acting his balls off. Like, great job. Harvey Keitel, Harvey Keitel is great in this. Yeah, he's fucking nuts. Dude, there's a scene where Harvey, like, loses his mind. After he kills the cat the first time. Yes. And he's talking to the woman whose cat he killed. And the way he's talking to her is the most intense, like, scary he, thing I've ever he's seen. He's, like, legitimately terrified. Dude, he's scary as fuck. I was fuck. honestly, like, sitting up being like, holy shit. I was like, this guy might have killed a cat once in his fucking life. Because <laughs> I've never seen somebody know how to react to somebody accusing you of killing their cat. With I've never seen that in my life. Like, the guy's also- like... The also, fucking cat! <laughs> dude, screaming it's a fucking cat. Like, what was the... What's the big deal? He cannot understand why this person is so upset. Not even that he killed it, just like the cat's dead. Like, that alone would be enough to be like, I'm so sorry. But he's just screaming about it being murdered. Dude. That he did it. 
She thinks that the cat's missing. She thinks that the cat like ran away. So her friend calls her. You don't hear the conversation, but she's like, yeah, he's still gone. Like, blah, blah, blah. And she's like putting food out for the cat. And he's like, will you fucking feed me and not the fucking cat that's gone? (laughs) I've never seen someone. You'd be like, anyone in that position is like, oh, you for sure killed my fucking cat. (laughs) I thought the cat was alive until this very moment when I realized you are so angry that I'm looking for a cat that is supposedly still alive. (laughs) And the way he fucking kills it on screen is insane, dude. Like, it's yes. fucking insane. It's yes, fucking insane. It <laughs> and I'm not even, like, an animal person. I'm not a cat. I'm not a dog person. This is one of the most insane fucking things I've ever seen in my life. People that get, like, upset about whether a dog dies or a cat dies in a movie. I don't I don't understand that. I think it's kind of silly. This, I get. This was fucking nuts. The guy fucking grabs its fucking face and just starts, <laughs> like, fuck. yeah, I, I love animals and i own a cat i love cats yeah and, uh, it, yeah it, i did not enjoy that whatsoever <laughs> not fun to watch not fun to watch you old argento um overall decent segment though i, I really i it was it was cool it's good it was cool it's good uh, and this guy crammed so much edgar Allan poe into his shit like it, there was like one story where i was like this has to be a different edgar Allan poe story the teeth the missing teeth segment yeah which is just randomly crammed into this movie. And I was like, this seems weird. This seems like a really weird fucking thing to include. Which is also wrapped, wrapped up by having Tom Atkins as a serial or not Tom Atkins, uh, Savini as, as the serial killer. It's also his cousin. Like, dude, it's like an ancestral. Well, that's what murder. made me think about it was because I was like, wait, is this a true fact about Edgar Allan Poe? I thought he was actually taking a shot at Edgar Allan Poe. Cause Edgar Allan well, Poe married his cousin. And Tom, is dressed like Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. He looks exactly yes. like him. Oh, yeah. He looks exactly like him. So I was like, oh, is this a little shot at Edgar Allan Poe? Like, I thought he was, like, taking a fucking blast at him. And I was like, fuck yeah. No, it's a fucking story Edgar Allan Poe wrote clearly about himself and the cousin. An autobiography. Fucking- <laughs> Dude, it was. It fucking was. It was like I was it was, I was obsessed with her teeth. It's about a guy that's obsessed with his cousin who he's married to, his teeth. And then she dies, so he fucking rips them all out of her fucking head. <laughs> Okay. Who's the author that was obsessed with his wife's farts? Is it fucking oh, o- fuck. Oscar Wilde. Fuck yeah, yeah. We need, we need a we need a movie on that. Yeah, <laughs> I, yo, farts over cousins for sure. No, yeah, it was Oscar Wilde, <laughs> and dude, he, and he was obsessed with like, I I I don't want to misspeak here, but he, I think he was also obsessed with how like large she was, right? Um, like wasn't she a just, thick? I, I think she was a thick gal. Dude, no, it was, it was James Joyce. It was James Joyce. <laughs> <laughs> They're both Irish, so you were you were you were Yes, right, yes, but. I was in the right country. Yeah. <laughs> James Joyce farts. Dude. <laughs> oh yeah, dirty little fuck bird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Guys, he says, I felt your I for felt those your, I felt your fat, sweaty buttocks under my belly. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, Joy <laughs> James Joyce, uh, absolutely famous author, right? Yeah, he sure is. <laughs> uh, wrote Ulysses, The Dubliners. I think he's done a bunch. Oh, Finnegan's Wake, I think he did. Um, he did a bunch of shit. Anyway, he wrote love letters to his wife, who, <laughs> who like, 
I mean, for the time, I don't know what she looked like, but she's pretty homely in in what you can <laughs> pull from it. He wrote the most explicit, dirty letters to this woman. They're vulgar. They're vulgar. fucking insane. I, you can look it up. There's there's 13 not safe for work lines James Joyce wrote to his wife, like a hog riding a sow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he loves using the word cunt and moist. Uh, but he especially just loves her farts, which, what the fuck? <laughs> Fart dirty, fat, dirty farts. You had an arse full of farts that night, darling, and I fucked them out of you. Big fat fellows, long windy ones, quick little merry cracks, and a lot of tiny little naughty farties. <laughs> Ending in a long gush from your hole. It is wonderful to fuck. <laughs> it is wonderful to fuck a farting woman when every fuck drives one out of her. I think I would know Nora's fart anywhere. I think I could pick hers out in a room full of farting women. <laughs> now that is that is romance. Yo, that's fucking that's, love though. For that's the, true for, love. For real though, if you could identify her fart can- <laughs> in a room in a room full of women, God bless you. <laughs> At every fuck I gave you, your shameless tongue came bursting out through your lips. And if I gave you a bigger, stronger fuck than usual, fat, dirty farts came spluttering out of your backside. I'm going to fucking throw up. (laughs) Why is she? (laughs) Why is she? Why why, why was she so flatulent? That's fucking nuts. (laughs) And during sex of all things. No. I'm, just, I'm just so mortified. It's so nuts, dude. And the lines, like, that's not just the last two. There's like, there's like a million others, dude. Oh, dude he's it's been like writing letters for like dive. decades. <laughs> I loved it because he also ended a lot of them being like, please, I hope this doesn't offend you. <laughs> dude, if I said like three of those words to Tina in a row, I'd, I'd just be thrown out of the house. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm gonna f- <laughs> die. Uh, anyway, George Romero is a great director. Yeah, we haven't <laughs> talked about any of his, anything he's done so far. All right, all right. <laughs> this this week on James Joyce's serial killer, James Joyce, wife's fat, juicy farts. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just going to read one of his letters in that voice at the beginning of the show. <laughs> Please do. With nothing to, nothing to Ramirez. <laughs> All right. So, uh, oh my word. So he does this, George does this um, uh, anthology. He does the fakes of, the, the facts in the case of Mr. Valdemar. Um, a good fucking segment. I really enjoyed it. Um, George just, I think this was when I, I mean, I guess it was with every movie I watched this week, but I guess with this one, especially, I was just like, I was like, there's no way this is going to be that great. Right. Like, I don't know what, what it was about it. Just the fact that it was like an anthology. It's just like, this is not going to be good. Edgar Allan Poe. Um, and it's like a fucking slam dunk. And I don't. And I don't know why. Like, it just shot well. The acting's good. Uh, it tells a it's solid why story. I, it's why I said on the uh, the Patreon, like, George Romero is, is goaded. Like, he's – I honestly think he's top ten all time, at the very least. 
top 10. Um, he has to. Because everything, everything he does, and we've already talked about his influence, but everything he does is quality. It's quality. And this segment is no different. This is made seven years after Creepshow. If you, like, I don't know, cut like five, ten minutes out of it, condensed it a little bit, it, it would, could be a Creepshow segment and it would fit in perfectly. I mean, he's got the same actress as the crate in it, you know, with uh, um, I'm blanking on her name, uh, Adrian Barbeau, but it would fit in with Creepshow and it's like the same quality in my my opinion and like the kills and there's, there's a scene where they're shooting, uh, just shooting a corpse and like the bullets are going through this corpse's body. It's not even like a real person, but the blood is splattering and it's just like so well done, like squeamish and i think it would fit in well with that movie and for a guy that invented zombies he does a zombie segment essentially in this one and still rewrites it like it's not like the zombies it's not before it's not and 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 he takes it a different way and it's honestly like kind of like thought-provoking in a way and and i don't know whether to give credit to edgar Allan poe or for him because i've never read the edgar Allan poe story but i don't think edgar Allan poe went into these details where it was like they were they were communicating with this dead person. It's very much like I don't want to call it like a telltale heart, but like a similar story. It, of, it is it is similar to a telltale heart. Yeah, and it's a woman. She's married to a guy. He dies. They throw him in a freezer. She wanted his money anyway. She was slowly siphoning off his money so she could marry the doctor. They throw him in a freezer. They keep hearing him talking and talking and talking. You think that this is going to go away. Turns out he's just talking to them yeah. somehow, which was wild. I did not expect that. Well, because the doctor hypnotizes him. Right. His soul is like stuck in like hypnosis, even though the body's dead. Right. Which Oh, that's so fucking nuts. So he's like talking to him and, and he didn't like them, but he's like, you need to help me. And like, this is not good for you because like. There's other souls here and they want to fucking kill you. (laughs) (laughs) And it's the other souls that take his body and make him that make the corpse attack them and become like a zombie. And I was like, man, I kind of, it doesn't really make a lot of sense, but I'm kind of fucking down with neither. I mean, zombies in general don't make fucking sense. So I'm fucking down with it. I I thought it was, I thought it was really well made. Like, I kind of want to read Poe's story to see how much. George added on to it because I really, really liked like like you just said, I don't know who to give the credit to for this, but I really liked that they're trying to get this guy's money and the lawyer's like, he needs to be alive for the next three weeks. And if he dies beforehand, like you're fucked, you're not getting any money. And the lawyer thinks like she's up to something. Yeah. Um, and he, he the lawyer calls the husband and the husband's like, yeah, I, I approve of this. But that's because he's under the spell of the doctor. Because yeah. The doctor hypnotized him. And I'm saying all that because I really like the fact that they have to keep him alive for three weeks. I did he that dies. Too. Yeah. And the doctor's like, well, he just fucking died and nobody's going to check on him. Like, we'll just put him in ice in three weeks from now. I'm like, oh, he's fucking dead. How about that? But then he's talking to them and terrifying Adrian Barbeau yeah. and her, the most realistic thing a character perhaps has ever done. She's just fucking shooting the corpse to be like, stop talking to me. Yeah. It's like, you would think that's things still like, what else would you do in that situation? And then the, the doctor is like, why would you do that? Like, how are we going to explain these bulls yeah. in his head? Like, we're not going to get the money now. Um, so there, there was a lot of like small twists and turns that he, he threw in there that I, I absolutely loved. I fucking, yeah, I loved it a lot. And we get we get Tom Atkins in this one again. He's uh, a cop. Detective he shows Rogan. up. The first shows Tom Atkins. Cop. The first Tom Atkins. Well, not the first, but 
for Romero, but the first in this week for the first appearance of Tom Atkins. Is of this it? week, yes. Detective Grogan. He's got the little, tiniest little pew pew gun I've ever seen. In my Dude. Life. <laughs> and just as like fucking rich people do the sickest shit I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> George Romero is so like blue collar. I love yes, yes. everything he fucking does, man. Like, I, 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 it's so crazy how rooted in like everyday life he is and i think that is really the big difference here uh, i mean the w- end of this first of all the end of this is legitimately spooky in my opinion. oh yeah it's legitimately spooky oh, uh, yeah. great ending and then it, it ends with a blood splatter on the money and then just a zoom in it's like an illuminati psa <laughs> just Dude, zoom in on was. the eye and the pyramid <laughs> it was and the special effects in this one were pretty great too with um they were once once the guy thaws out and they find the body and it's like just fucking decomposed. The reanimated corpse is fantastic. Yeah, it's really fucking good. I think that was Savini in this one too. So, um, and the character actors like the guy playing the husband and then the the corpse is E.G. Marshall, and he's um um he's in Twelve Angry Men and he's uh, Clark Griswold's father in law from Christmas Vacation. Oh really? So he's always he's always great in these bits parts and like he he is perfect in this role. Yeah, he was he was ama- he was fucking scary in this role. Like, dude, when he's like screaming like yeah. in the fucking bed, uh, that fucked me up a little bit. Um, so that's two evil eyes, man. What do you rate it? Uh, I give two evil eyes a three point five. A three point five as a movie or just his segment? Uh, his segment, I'd give it four. What? How do? How should we rate it? Like a f- his segment or the whole movie? I guess it's that's a weird thing, right? You got to give it the whole movie three point five. Yeah, I'm 3. gonna 5. go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a, a three Z on it. Three? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I, I'll be honest. Argento's was like, which Argento had like the screen cap, like the screen cap for the movie was from based on Argento's. And I was like, that looks so fucked. It's literally one second of the fucking movie that they decided to put as the background. I was like, God, God damn it. Looked crazy as shit. Um, Black Dahlia murder. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a girl. It's cut in half. Um, so from there, that's 1990. 1993, he teams up with Stephen King again. I love these twos. These twos. I love these two guys' relationship. I, I They're think a great pair. When they put their heads together, man, they come out with something fucking cool as fuck. Why is the dark half not talked about more? The dark half is not only a good 1990 mo- 1990s movie, but... Like Stephen King's movies, like his movie adaptations, you know, you have the big ones like Carrie mm-hmm. and uh, The Green Mile and, and The Shining, but a lot of them are fucking stinkers. Like so many of Stephen King's adaptations are not good at all. Yeah. And this one never gets mentioned, and it is far superior th- than a lot of them, in my opinion. And people didn't like it. Uh, critics did not like it at the time. Um it was originally shot in 1990, and then it got delayed because Orion Pictures was about to go fucking under. Um, Orion? So, or, or Orion? What did I say? What? Or, I think Orion? Yeah. Did I say Orion? No, no, you said Orion. That's insane. <laughs> because the fucking the fucking the the little video is Orion's belt, right? It's the guy from Orion. Orion. Yeah. 
Yeah. So it's very clearly Orion. And I said Orion. (laughs) Congratulations. I'm a fucking idiot. (laughs) Um, That's fucking insane. Good job. Good job, everybody. Um, Uh, But yeah, critics didn't like it, but Timothy Hutton and Michael Rooker are fucking phenomenal in this. There was actually a moment in this movie where I was like, this is fucking brilliant. Like, and I will get to it in this movie because I'd like to go into this one a little bit. This one's interesting. And and this is one where it's like, um, here's another. I want to read this and I want to read Edgar Allan Poe's story because I want to see, because like Romero wrote this, right? Like he did the full screenplay for it. As we know, you know, screenplays are a lot different than their fucking books. So I'd really be interested to read this book and see what did George Romero bring to the table on this. But based on the last one, I'm te- I'm just throwing this out there. I don't think Edgar Allan Poe wrote that fucking wall of... Edgar Allan Poe sucks, all right, guys? Fucking, <laughs> guy's a fucking bore. I, I don't give a fuck. You come after me. I don't give a shit. Guy couldn't fucking... Fucking talking about ravens. Never heard something so dumb in my life fucking raven crowing guy went nuts okay cool i'll tell you what i bet you that story fucking schnoozer schnoozer until romero got his hands on it anyway i'm just saying i think romero i think romero's writing is better than people give him credit for Okay. I think people want to. I think people want. And he edited this one, and I think he's a good editor, also. Which I, I don't. Think I do think he's a good editor. I, I agree. Because I think this one's edited so fucking well. Like I really like it. I thought it was the way it's shot is great. I think this guy's got like a real vision. Um, yeah. For what he's making, so the story of this is about this guy Thad, Thad Beaumont, who, as a child, is experiencing. Uh, headaches and birds in his head, he- hearing birds. So they open his fucking brain up and they find a fucking eyeball and teeth and like a nostril. Of, what does this remind you of? Of a, tw- of a twin that he devoured. Uh, well, I don't know what. Fucking malignant. Oh shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Which, by the way, guys, I'm telling you, malignant's going to come back around full circle. Dread Central will do a post about how fucking change the horror world. <laughs> it didn't. The dark half, though. Uh, so he's got this, like, um, absorbed twin in his brain. And that's what's causing it. Um, but it seems that he goes through life pretty okay. We cut to, like, 23 years later. And he's a successful writer under a pseudonym, which I, George Stark. George Stark. Is a pseudonym the same as a pen name or is that different? It is. Okay. Which is funny because Stephen King calls this uh, semi-autobiographical. I was worried he'd say that because that's what it felt like. And I was like, "Mm, this was definitely when they came to his house and he just had books written that he did not remember writing. (laughs) Wasn't that Cujo where they like Cujo, yeah. they found him and fucking drugs everywhere? <laughs> Dude, he's trapped. <laughs> you can find that online. I have I, I 
didn't pull it up, but uh, the amount that they found in his trash can is fucking alarming that a, a single human being consumed that. And yeah, that's why Kujo has no chapters. <laughs> <laughs> just just one mind. long thing, dude. Like, imagine being that talented. You just get fucking high and produce Kujo, and you're just like, oh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Uh, who wrote this? <laughs> <laughs> a pretty good dog book. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dark Half, um, you could tell, like, definitely had some Stephen King uh, autobiographical stuff in it. Because inspired by the events that led him to revealing his own pseudonym, which is Richard Bachman. Which, I don't know what led him to reveal it, but I hope it wasn't anything similar to (laughs) what's happened in this film. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I would also hope that. I don't think it was. But it was funny, because it was very on the nose at the beginning when they're like... Oh, yeah, you know, uh, Thad Beaumont writes fucking, you know, like, uh, corny romance novels. And, like, they they specifically cite, like, Richard Bachman-type books when they're talking about Thad Beaumont. And then, um, of course, there's George Stark, who is writing smutty, horror-esque material that people... People are offended by, and Stark decides to, uh, uh, or not Stark, Beaumont, that Beaumont decides to reveal to the world that he is both of them, essentially killing George Stark, right? Yes. Now, George Stark, (laughs) how do you talk about this without just like (laughs) explaining that? There's Thad, and then there's Bad Thad. Uh, <laughs> bad that is George Stark, and uh, we learned that which is nuts, which is nuts because, like you're saying, George Stark is just a pseudonym, and everything that we've watched up to this point, George Stark is just a pseudonym, like, there isn't a George Stark writing anything. And Thad's like, George Stark is dead, like, I'm just focusing on my own, and he actually gives him a funeral, like, he yes. buries. The name, like, there's a, there's a tombstone for the name George Stark. Yes. Even his wife is like, why is this a thing? Why are you wasting resources on this? <laughs> Which is funny, because this is, like, really what provocates George Stark to become real? Or right. is he? Which, <laughs> I mean, he is, though. I, dude, he has to be. Like, he's fucking I, mean, d- I, mean, I mean, they're both in the room at the same time. People are looking at both of them. <laughs> Yeah, I know, but I don't. I don't fucking know. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I might change my rating on this. <laughs> Dude, this is the problem from? with Stephen King books. This is the he's problem. A twin. With- Dude, he's a deformed twin, but he's also a fake pseudonym, right? But then, why does he come back? Because he he, as the witch doctor woman, the white witch doctor that works at his college, um, said he. She he created him him by accident by creating the pseudonym. He he created George, and then when he tried to kill George, George got mad, and then like no no I get all that, but like I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, I, no, I know I, I know I know what she said, but it's like <laughs> but, it's like dude, I, like I've read Stephen King books. Like I'm not like the biggest Stephen King reader. Not that I don't like them. It's just they're usually too long for me. Um. So I've read some of his shorter stuff and they're always like as cool as they are. You're like, they're like, they live in a gray area, right? Where it's like, it doesn't need to be real and it doesn't need to be fake and it's fine in writing. But as soon as you put it on screen, you're like, I don't, I don't get it. 
yes, yes. Here, here's what I'm gonna say. I'm not changing my my rating because it was very fun. Yeah, and I thought it was very well done. But if you're going to think about like <laughs> the logic behind why anything is happening in this, uh, just don't do it. Just don't do it because it's it's fine. Just accept that it exists the way it. it it's just Castle Rock, just some weird Castle Rock shit, right? Yes. Like it's yes. Just <laughs> yes. As they do. Um, so Thad basically creates this bad Thad character who's running around. The gore in this is absolutely out of control. Yeah. I was not expecting this level of violence in this movie. Um, I wasn't either. Bad Thad fucking murders the shit out of a lot of people. Everyone, (laughs) everyone, everyone he comes across he just brutally murders everyone. And, and there's like good jump scares. Like there's a scene where somebody's like peering in the doorway and he just puts his hand out and like slaps. Oh, the door. That, that scared the shit out of me. That fucking yeah. got me so good. And I was like, that's fucking good. Cause like George never really does like jump scares like that. Fucking got me. Yes. Yeah. Um, the first guy he kills is a guy with one leg who he beats to death with his own with, leg. With the leg. Yes. And the guy's like 90. Yeah. The only thing, my criticism of this would be. That George I'm, is dressed like a rockabilly <laughs> singer. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a big thing with his fucking slick back hair. It's that. Um, I'm trying to think. They never once like suspended your disbelief that this wasn't another guy that it wasn't George. You know what I mean? Like you were never like once like, well, George is fake. It can't be George. You were like, this is Timothy Hutton as George doing this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, so I did think that Timothy Hutton was that Thad was, was like doing that at nighttime. I mean, like, like I, at first, yeah, that's the only at first when you intro- held up. Yeah, at first when they introduced him, I was like, you know, he's not remembering doing this, or he, you know, he's just playing a different part, and he's going out and assuming this other role and committing murders, and then coming back and being like, I'm, I'm fat. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but, but, but that is not the case. There, there's two Timothy Huttons on screen. <laughs> there is two Timothy Huttons on screen. And one has like no teeth and like his head is fucking bandaged. John, the more <laughs> disfigured, th- this guy, uh, George like takes a beating throughout the film and yeah. his face just becomes more and more deformed and disfigured. Yeah. <laughs> and he ends up looking like John C. Riley at the end. <laughs> he's so deformed that he's turned into John C. Riley. <laughs> what a compliment. <laughs> 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 If somebody said that about my looks, I would fucking <laughs> jump off a bridge. Listen, John C. Riley knows. He knows. He knows. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, man. He just brutally kills everyone he can find. Um, and they're all people that were related to the burial of George Stark because it was like a big photo op uh, yes. press piece. So anyone involved with that is getting got at this point. Um, and again, another one where the cops are heavily involved in this movie. Except for uh, for uh, Fred Clausen, who is just a, a kid who fucking hates pseudonyms. Like that 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 is the kid's only only purpose. Like we see him at the beginning. Oh, yeah. He's like a hey, thad, you fucking 
motherfucker. Like, I know you're writing under this fake name. And he's, like, blackmailing him. And, and Thad, for some reason, is like, holy shit. Like, what case would this kid pop? Pre-internet? Pre-internet, how is this story going to get out? How does this, <laughs> how does this story get out pre-internet? Like, what are you talking about? The kid's like, I'm going to let everybody know. And by the way, the kid's case is all hinged on, like, just assumption, really. Like it's like the blurb on the back of a George, one of George's books. Right, like he's like you said this, and then this guy said the similar thing. No one would ever take any fucking credence to that. No, no one would ever listen to that and be like, "Oh my god, you're right." Like he just, dude, all that would have to do is just like <laughs> prove it. Yeah, <laughs> whenever anyone asked him about it, because like, the guy, the kid couldn't prove it. He was like connecting dots, but they weren't. Direct. Yeah. It was just a that kid's like, I'll be back in three fucking weeks. If that goes home, he's just like, I don't know what to do with my life. Like, why does any of this matter? <laughs> but for some reason, George is also real pissed about it because George kills him too. George is furious about it. Um, absolutely crazy, dude. He kills one guy in the office. He, there's one guy that like shows up to his apartment building that 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 bad Thad kills. He kicks him in the head. The guy's on the ground. He kicks him in the... He punts this guy in the head. It's probably one of my favorite scenes, like, in movie history. Dude, it's... It was just a brutal fucking punt. And the guy, like, moves across the floor, like, three feet into, like, a fucking radiator. Fucking insane. And then he just... This guy... Bad Thad's just slit in throats. I think my favorite scene is uh, he's going after the boss or the agent. I think it's the agent. Yeah. Um, and it's actually really intense because the agent knows like somebody's after him because they know that these murders are happening. And we oh, see someone yeah. lower on a scaffold, but it's just a window cleaner. And the agent's just like, fuck you, you fucking cocksucker. And the window cleaner is so mad about it. <laughs> yeah, he's like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and again, George kills it with showing the daily lives of the people involved because, um, while all this is going on, instead of Tom Atkins, we've replaced him with, uh, Michael Rooker, Michael Rooker, who's who, great. Who's amazing. Fucking great. Absolutely great. And, uh, credit to George for making Michael Rooker, not a fucking psycho that he always plays and making him a fucking cop and a, a fucking likable, good cop. Like, good guy. Yeah. But just like a, a like a good dude, um, in that in in that segment, and um, you see George does a segment where he's showing how their lives are impacted by this because Rooker's after Thad, but like I think he believes Thad did it, but he also doesn't. Like there is some, there's like a sliver of him that's like this is not Thad. It's not adding up. Yeah. yeah, something's not adding up. And he portrays that perfectly. Yes. And so there's like this like cat and mouse there with that. And, and he, he portrayed like when they present to him that, that there is George Stark, the pseudonym who's come to life. And he's also somehow formed from like a, a dead twin that was in his brain. <laughs> Michael Rooker is just like that's not a fucking that's what are you saying to me? But then, but then he's finally at the end, just like oh, this might actually be true, and like you can just see in his eyes, just be like, what is happening to my life? Yeah, yeah, for sure, he's amazing, and yeah, and during this, George has this moment where George goes to George, and it just kind of goes back to Thad and um, Michael Rooker's daily lives, 
and you're like, man, this case is like really fucking with these people um, and the people around them. So with Rooker, he like pulls a gun on his wife in the middle of the night because he's paranoid and he thinks that um, George Stark is coming to get him. And like, you can see this impact on his personal life. And the same with Thad, you see, um, you know, like his wife yelling at the kids and like the stress is becoming unbearable for everyone involved in this. And it's just like touches of that, man. I just, I think George is fucking great at that. Like showing the implications of like the horror, like the horror is cool, but then like the implications outside of it. The gore and the kills are, you know, the easy part, but the effect that it has on your day-to-day living is like what he's really good at. Man, he's fucking amazing at it. Which makes it more terrifying. Like, oh, these other people are affected by it. It's not just that. Yes. Yeah. Which is something that's lacking in a lot of horror movies. Um, Anyway, Bat That (laughs) attempts to shoot two babies at one point, which was nuts. Uh, Could not believe that happened. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's another thing. george george oh he does not hold back dude he's not he will, afraid he will put the young in, in harm's way <laughs> absolutely and he, 10 out of 10 times <laughs> even though i was just bashing argento for uh killing uh kids or killing animals killing a cat yeah what are these to be fair to be to be fair in that Argento segment, Harvey Keitel looks way more maniacal than Bad Thad does pointing a gun at two children. Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I just got like the weirdest fucking spam emails I've ever seen in my life. Disturbing and dangerous. What the fuck? All right. Leave me the fuck alone. All right. Um, yeah. Uh, what do you rate this movie? Uh, and, and and the end is, I mean, I don't Dude, even. Do we, we don't, I like the effects at the end. Then it was cool. And, it's like early CGI because yes. not all those birds were real. There were two thousand birds released into that house, which can't be legal and <laughs> seems like seems like a fucking health hazard. But. Wait, before you continue, <laughs> before you continue, I just don't want to forget this. So you mentioned two thousand birds getting released. I did not look that up. What I did notice though, because I watched all the credits for some reason, was that this does not contain a no animals were harmed in the making of this movie. <laughs> It does, though, have, like, a we did everything we could to protect the animals of this movie. And I was like, holy shit, a fucking animal fucking died in this for sure, right? Jesus. And now that you're saying that 2,000 birds were released, for sure a terrible idea. Like, fucking awful idea. Anyway. Just shitting all over the place. (laughs) Fine. But he did. they did use uh, computer-generated birds. There's also... We need to find it because there is a PC game that was released no. to tie in with this. No, there was. <laughs> yes, yes, there was. Movie tie in adventure game, also called The Dark Half, was released for MS DOS in 1992. It MS- follows DOS. the plot. Yeah, I don't know why I said DOS. Uh, it loosely follows the plot of the movie and resembles LucasArts and Sierra's early adventure games. It immediately fell into obscurity and is now a collector's item. Of course, the fucking did. Who, who was buying that? Oh my Dark god, half. this is so nuts, dude! I found I. Oh my god, this is so crazy! I want to play it so bad. It looks insane, bro. Sorry. I mean, what would you possibly be playing? Um, <clears throat> I'll tell you right What's now. The character arc. Hey, your character arc. 
That's your fucking brain with the eyeball <laughs> and the teeth. For those of you that are watching or not watching, listening, uh, I'm just showing Joe a screen cap that shows the fucking teeth and the eyeball in the guy's brain for this fucking video game. This Wait, is a is, it, is somebody doing the playthrough. Yeah, it's not so we can <laughs> we can get it, dude. This is insane. Wow. This is so nuts. Wow. Also, again, like Joe said, this has got to be one of the most boring things I've ever seen. <laughs> it's just a guy pacing a cemetery. Well, you know what must be great is when you when Thad and uh, George Stark fucking go toe-to-toe in a write-off in the movie. That, that sounds... <laughs> <laughs> Prime for video game. <laughs> An actual thing that happens in this movie. George is like... Well, only one of us can be alive. And that's like, you know what we have to do? And they just have a fucking write-off. They're just fucking <laughs> writing books next to each other. <laughs> fucking great. Um, but the end is nuts with the birds. And they tear fucking George Stark apart. Like, insane. Rip him apart. <laughs> and the end is it's like slow, too. It's just ripping his flesh off. It's disgusting. It's absolutely appalling. Um, Michael, Michael Rooker is watching it. Like, <laughs> slowly losing his mind, having a meltdown. Can you imagine that? You couldn't even get over the idea of, like, the twin. George Stark existing. George Stark existing. And then on top of it, eight you billion finally birds see him coming. Being, being, being ripped apart by the sparrows. <laughs> <laughs> that would be like dude that'd be that'd be like fine, finally like finding Bigfoot and just watching it be ripped apart by two thousand sparrows. You'd be like, well who's gonna believe this? Like I fucking just saw Bigfoot and he was eaten by sparrows. <laughs> That's the funniest thing in the world. Oh my god, that is the funniest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Being eaten alive by 2,000 sparrows. <laughs> so insane. Oh, my God. And he's got to go back and fill out a report. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is he going to say? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that's the funniest thing I've ever heard. Uh, give me that police report. Oh, my God. Um. Well... After this, uh, after um, what do you what, what do you rate it? Oh, dark half. Uh, I I really enjoyed it. I'd probably say a three and a half. I'm gonna give it a three and a half too. I think I'm, I think I'm being super generous because I'm so high on Romero. But I mean, I really enjoyed it. No, I think I think that's a fair. I think that's a fair rating for that movie. Um, four would have been too much. Four would have been too much for the dark half. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <clears throat> so after the dark half, it's 1993. George takes an. Eight-year hiatus. Yes. Just fucking... Seven-year. Seven. Seven. Seven-year. Um, and just... And just... And I mean, honestly, kind of probably longer than that, right? Because he filmed it in 1990, so... Yeah, oh... That's even oh, crazier. Yeah. So it's like a ten-year. Yeah. Um, so he, he takes a long hiatus, and he comes back with... He, he does do Jacaranda Joe oh, that, in 1994, that, which, dude, it aired twice this fucking year. 
for yeah. free through the University of Pittsburgh. Yes. Uh, their film archives. You you had to register on Twitter. I guess the first time filled up, so they did it again. Uh, impossible to find. I'm hoping they they release it somehow since they're they're showing it. Come on, you gotta give us this. I need to see it. I need to see it too. It looks great. I and again, fucking George doing like pre 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 Blair Witch. Pre Blair Witch is doing something that looks pretty fucking similar. Like the dude is like ahead of the curve, and again, just making whatever the fuck he wants. Like, why does he make this? It's 17 minutes. He just, like... He has to know something called Jacaranda Joe isn't going to make him money, right? <laughs> it, it's very odd. It's... It, it's And I and I love him for it. I, it's, he's, like, the most punk rock fucking director yes. Yes. of all yes. time. Like, dude, this guy just doesn't give a shit. And it's fine. Like, he sells out to an extent, if you believe in that shit, with the studio shit, but even then he's just like, eh, I'm just going to kind of fucking <laughs> make this weird ass movie and shoot it the way I want to shoot it. Um, and then that brings us to the year 2000 where he releases bruiser, um, which we already discussed French film. Um, Peter Stormare, uh, Leslie hope is in it. Um, she's pretty great. Um, yep. filmed in Toronto. I fucking, I, I, I like this movie a lot. Listen, it's... I mean, in the grand scheme of Romero films, it's one of his weaker ones, but it's not because it's a bad movie. And if it was, like I said, if it was somebody doing it as, like, their first movie, anyone not named George Romero, you'd be like, this is this is a really solid year oh, 2000 horror movie. For sure. And it's the last movie he does that's not part of the dead series yes so he'll only really make three other films uh-huh. i was expecting this to be such a stinker dude i thought this was gonna a, be a giant a piece turd. of shit yeah dude, i thought this was gonna be the biggest piece of shit on the planet i almost didn't even put it in our movies to do but i i the way he like started breaking up the movies it, it's all i could do was put bruiser on this week um, I remember you were like, this one might be optional. Because, yeah. like, I mean, not knowing anything about it and knowing that it's his last one before the Dead Trilogy, his final Dead Trilogy, you'd be like, it, it's the last one for a, for a reason. And right. he's going back to what he knows for a reason. Right, exactly. I dug it. I thought it was an interesting, fucking unique story. Don't know where the fuck he came up with this idea, but... Just like a psychological thriller. Fucking wacky. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, really cool. Tom Atkins. Shows back up. He does, and he's great as he's as fucking usual. Amazing. <laughs> I mean, dude, this, Tom Atkins must get. I mean, all of his questions must be Night of the Creeps or Halloween Three, right? I want to talk to him about about these two movies. I just want to sit down and talk about Bruiser and uh, the uh, the Two Evil Eyes. And it's it's an interesting we- thing too because they're like bit parts, right? They're just like fucking yes. throwaway parts that he took, and you're like, oh. That's weird. well. He he he's very central to well this movie in particular. I guess he's central to it, but he's like his screen time is so mundane. Like he he just shows up and is like, "Hey, <laughs> wise acres, I'm trying to dude, figure he's playing this Dick out. Tracy, dude." It's so weird. Like it's not he's not moving the story along. He's just following. The only detective wearing a trench coat in the year two thousand <laughs> in California. <laughs> 
That's right. That's right. Nine nine thousand degrees out. He's just like that. <laughs> just like that inside a Halloween party. The the, the place must have stunk. It fucking not, it must have been so hot in there. So Bruiser, the name Bruiser is from a magazine, I believe that that the, our lead character works for, right? Is it a magazine, Wait, Henry? Is the magazine called Bruiser? Yes. Whatever they work for is called Bruiser. Okay. Which is why I thought the name of the movie was kind of weird. Okay. Is the magazine? Yes. It's the magazine company. The reason I was hung up is because there's a scene where they're picking like what models should be featured in the magazine. And Stormare's like, this one looks like a piece of shit. He's fucking absolutely gorgeous. He's yeah. like, this one looks like a piece of shit. He's like, this is what we call a bruiser. And they all just start chanting bruisers. <laughs> I still don't understand why. <laughs> I mean, listen, you don't ask the fucking questions. Stormare's character is literally just there to like make your fucking blood boil. Like, just he is, he is so good as a sleaze bag, dude. He. All he does is make you fucking cringe and want to like fucking poke your own eyeballs out. Like when 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 he is in the work setting acting as a boss, yeah. he is just like Michael Scott. If Michael Scott was not in the like, if Michael Scott was real life, right? Yes. That, that would be what Peter like Peter's totally doing. unhinged. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like Michael Scott's funny because it's not realistic, but if you put it in a real world scenario, it's, yes. it's actually yes. terrifying and inappropriate. <laughs> Michael Scott's funny because it's written to be a comedy, but if Michael Scott exi- if Michael Scott was your boss, it, it would be Milo. <laughs> You would hate everything. You would turn into the main character. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yeah, so our our lead character, he works for this magazine. He's kind of a pushover. He's got a wife who doesn't even like him. Um, she hates him. And <laughs> cheats on him with, with everybody he's ever looked at. <laughs> Yo, there's a fucking scene that is so well acted in this where they're in the car fighting after the party? Yeah. Yes. This is like a devastating fucking scene. Yes. George fucking rocks, dude. George is the fucking best. We, we said at the beginning, this actor is like a nobody, yeah. right? He's, he's not in a lot. He doesn't really have star power, but he gets a good enough performance out of all of them. It's fucking great. So, basically, the guy's a pushover. He's got a friend that's his money manager, and he starts having visions of like, People that, like, treat him like shit and murdering people. And the first one we get is so abrupt and terrifying because a woman, like, cuts him in line. Push her in a train. (laughs) Dude, a woman cuts him in line for the train and he just starts fucking clobbering her. And you're like, wait, am I watching the, like, is he actually hitting a woman right now? Like, wait, what is happening? You're so confused. And then you see her head land on the fucking train tracks and the train rolls over. It's the most insane scene. You're like, what the fuck? (laughs) And then cuts, and it's just his dream. And you're like, what the fuck was that? That was crazy. And he has these visions about all these people in his life just, like, putting an axe through their head or doing something to them. Yes. Um, Just regression. Suppressed pain, I guess, from being such a pushover. Um, And and we learn that Milo... um, Milo will just have sex with anything, and he approaches yes. he approaches Henry's white or girlfriend, and they have this weird encounter that you don't really understand what's going on. Like, there's he's touching her. There's a lot going on, but you're like, what the fuck? Uh, Henry sees it, 
doesn't do anything. And then they drive home. They get gas. And the wife and him have a fight that is, like, one of the most devastating fights you could have I agree. in a relationship. Where she's like, you're a fucking coward and a fucking pussy. And he's like, no, it's just how you play the game. And she's like, I was jerking a guy off in front of you and you saw it and you didn't do a fucking thing. And I was like, this is like the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen in my fucking life. Like, I can't even fucking imagine that. I can't even fucking fathom that. And she's like, you're fucking scum. Like, I hate you. Yeah. And she's like, don't wait up. <laughs> I'm going to go jerk this guy off. Again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then the next day he wakes up with a, a mask on. Cause at the party, they had these like white masks. At, at the party, Milo's, Milo's wife, uh, Rosie made a plaster mold of yes. his face. And she has a garden of lost souls, which is just masks that she makes, which any, yeah. I go to anybody's house and they show me their garden of lost souls. Nope. I will never speak to you again. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but he wakes up with this mask attached to his face and it's not really, I, w- I don't even know if I'd say it's attached. His face is just gone. He just has it's this, his face. It's yeah. his face. Cause he tries to like he, scratch he cuts it. it. Yeah. And blood yeah. comes out. Oh, fucking good, man. I, I fucking love this idea. I think this is fucking great. And also Stephen Kingy, very Stephen King-ish. Yeah. You know, yeah. it reminded me of Stephen King a and lot. And the fact that the mask is so, like, featureless. It's just, it's just eyes and a mouth, right? Dude, and it's got these tiny pinhole eyes. So it's, like, really fucking alarming to see. It's, like, really yes. fucking creepy as fuck. Um, and he wakes up with this on first person this guy kills now suddenly. Suddenly Henry's, like... He's not holding back anymore. So the 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 housekeeper shows up and he fucking kills her because she stole the silverware. And he's like, <laughs> by the way, one of the, like I don't I, one of the silliest kills because he's like accusing her and she's like, I didn't steal anything. And she had like a bag full of the stolen silverware. And he's like, well, if if you didn't steal anything, then this isn't going to hurt. And he fucking winds (laughs) up the fucking bag and fucking kills her just by fucking bashing her over the head with (laughs) With all her stolen goods. (laughs) Bag full of silverware. Fucking power play. Fucking, well, then this won't hurt much at all then. (laughs) Oh, shit. Um, So she's dead. Um. Yeah, and then while that's going on, Milo's wife catches Milo, Milo, not Milo, Milo fucking Henry's girlfriend. Yes. <laughs> and she's she takes pictures, runs away. He goes to chase her, and then Henry's there, and Henry throws his fucking girlfriend... By the way, because the girlfriend expl- c- complained that he didn't know how to use an extension cord. She was like, you dumb bastard, don't even know how to use an extension cord. So he wraps it around her fucking, he's like, you want to see an extension cord? Wraps it around her neck and tosses her out the window of a fucking building. Yeah, so she's hanging out there. Bru- the bruiser building. Yes. And that's when we Milo, get- Milo's downstairs and be like, oh, holy shit. And by the way, Tom Atkins... Is a fucking idiot because Tom Atkins shows up. You arrest 
Milo on the fucking spot. You take him. You take him in <laughs> immediately. And instead, he's telling him all like every every bit of the crime scene. And my favorite part is he's like, "Well, uh, it was probably your wife who caught you." And and Milo's like, "It can't be. It fucking can't be." Yeah, we know Milo, and you also know that because you were outside with her and watched her drive away, right? <laughs> right when the body was thrown out. <laughs> it was so fucking such a weird scene. But by the way, while all of this is happening, so we have evidence, we know everything. Milo's like, it wasn't me. And Tom Atkins was like, okay. <laughs> Let, uh, mm, I think you might be right. <laughs> I think you might be onto something. And this is the scene where you were talking about where a guy is like waving something out there, like throwing paper out the window. And, and Tom Hanks like, hey, boss, like, get a load of this. He's like, hey. just waving evidence out the window. And Tom Atkins is like, you stupid fucking idiot. <laughs> just toss the evidence wherever you please. Um, Yeah. So that's where we, that's where, that's where we, end up oh and by the way oh yeah atkins is accusing that it might be rosie who committed the murder the wife yeah yeah so not just that she caught him but she probably but did it right which is why milo was like it can't be <laughs> which we, we is so it weird. can't be because we watched her outside with him yeah and then then that's when the cops decided to go to henry's house and talk like 1920s crime investigators being like, yeah, that's this dame, this goddamn dame. <laughs> Dude, they say dame so often. It's insane. Um, and then as this is going on overarching, Henry is losing his mind. Uh, rightfully so. He has no face anymore. Um, he even paints the white, like skin toned, which makes it creepier. And then just starts painting on it. Very similar to what Rosie had asked him to do, like paint the mask to represent you. So now he's like painting his own face, um, like after every kill to kind of represent him. Yes. Uh, He confronts Rosie, um, confesses to all of his crimes, which I don't know who he confessed to, but Rosie's like, please don't. He left a voicemail for somebody. I don't know if it was the radio station or the police. So it's really weird later when when Tom Atkins confronts him and then a bunch of people are just like, it was me. And he's like, Dude, wait, who is it? The I, the I am Spartacus ending. It's just everyone. I'm the killer. Atkins being confused. Atkins already knows it's between two people. And then he's like, whoa, hey, hang on a second. <laughs> Romero also like utilized the jaw shot there. Just zooming out of Atkins' oh, face. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that scene is so nuts. That, take honestly, them both in. Just take them both in. <laughs> they're both right there, and like seven people. In the and they both set. they both have this. <laughs> they both have the same mask. Atkins is at that party to apprehend one of the two of them. Yes, and now, that. and now he has both of them, and is <laughs> subdued because seven Just people are bunch, like, "It was me," and he's like, "A bunch oh. of Misfits fans." <laughs> What the fuck? And by the way, what's most insane about this moment is both Henry and Rosie are trying to be arrested. <laughs> They're both actually confessing. Like Henry's like, take me in. It was me. And then Rosie's like, no, it was me. So like he's case closed. We're done. And then everyone's like, it was me. And he's like, wait a second. <laughs> I fucking loved that. 
It's so stupid. Um, also, talk about uh, in that scene, we get a live performance from the Michael Graves era Misfits. Misfits. Fa- famous monsters. Um, they perform a couple songs off of that. Um, and we, we did a whole bonus on it. Yeah, the reason they're in that is because George directed the music video for their song Scream. And he like, apparently the only payment he wanted was for them to be in his movie. Like George undersells himself so fucking dude, much. Yeah, dude, dude, that's my thought too. Dude, George, like, fucking George Romero. Dude, like, <laughs> you first of all, you should have been paid to make their video. Second, they should have paid you to be involved in, be in any the movie. movie. To be in, dude, I would say George. I don't care if it's called Bruiser and it's with nobody. I'm paying you to be in this movie. Absolutely. George Romero. Absolutely. You can find probably a million metal bands in the year 2000 that would have paid to get the exposure to be in a George fucking Romero movie. And it's like, <laughs> George is cutting deals on the side, being like, selling, okay. Selling himself short is the great way to say it. You, uh, listen, I'll direct your movie, and then uh, I'll direct you in my movie. <laughs> so all the work's on me. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Only's lawyer contacting George, being like, just tell us the price, so we want you to direct. And he's like, yeah, you know, just... Have them be in our dude, probably blew their mind. Like, are you sure? Absolutely you sure. That's what George <laughs> said. Fucking movie, dude. Oh my goodness. Um, but it is cool to see them in there. Like I was like, is this the Misfits? And it fucking was. Yeah. Um. What was I gonna say here? Uh. Oh, I was gonna say, dude, when they go to this club, this party, it's like it's like a Halloween party. I don't think it's at Halloween time though. Um, what's grosser the food at the club which is by the way like fetal fetal like pieces of babies and punch or neil patrick harris's amy winehouse the answer the answer is amy winehouse the answer is amy winehouse if you guys don't know just google neil patrick harris's amy winehouse meat platter (laughs) i mean dude i i am a fan of like things that you know, offend you or, or push the buttons, like push your buttons. But like that, especially it was like a week after. Like, Dude, it was like so doing, so doing, <laughs> and it's like a real person. That probably people at that party knew. It's fucking nuts. It was, that's psychotic. Also, anybody that ate from that platter should be fucking arrested. Dude, it, did, it didn't look like food. It didn't look appealing whatsoever. I mean, it looked like a corpse, which which was what he was going for. So I guess, you know, good job. But you eat from that. <laughs> disgusting. You're disgusting. <laughs> um, but yes, that punch was disgusting. It had <laughs> floating, floating doll head, baby doll heads. Uh, yeah, Henry ends up catching Milo um, and <laughs> fucking... One of the other things that I was not expecting was him to shoot. The way he kills Milo is this like very elaborate fucking special effect. Fucking jigsaw. (laughs) Setting him up. Honey, I shrunk the kid's laser beam. (laughs) (laughs) Um, He floats. He convinces Milo that he's going to like float him from the ceiling from wires. And for the grand finale, Milo's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he does, but then he starts shooting him with a laser and (laughs) (laughs) shoots him through the fucking brain, killing him with a laser beam, with a laser beam. (laughs) It's so silly. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah, and then Henry leaves all of his shit behind, covers his face. And, and, and Rosie shows up dressed like him. Which I didn't even fucking understand. Says Just says she's dressed like Zorro, which... which fun. Nobody's ever fucking seen Zorro in their life if they think that Zorro's wearing that white mask dressed like that. <laughs> the other thing is, like, Rosie and Henry have this weird relationship where you think that they're, like, love interests, and to an extent they are... But, like, not really. And there's, like, kind of an interesting exchange they have where, like, you think it's going to play into that, like, love interest. Like, they're going to fall for each other because they were both in shitty relationships. And it's really, like, Rosie's, like, that's not – I'm not interested in this. (laughs) Like, (laughs) it's, like, a really interesting moment. Um, I I don't know. And and it doesn't really play into the overall story, but it it was interesting. Um, but then, so Henry leaves his shit behind, and then Henry's face comes back. Yeah. I loved it. Yeah. He got all the revenge. He stood up for himself. He did. And he, and he escapes, and he wins. Like, what we said, I mean, there's no reason for him to escape, because Atkins has him dead to rights. But Dude, it's insane. Escapes. Dude, and then Atkins has Rosie. Atkins and Rosie have a conversation at the end. By the way, at this point, Rosie is... An accomplice. She's complete. She's complicit, complicit or something. All of these. She has she has crimes against her, seeing as though she allowed him to escape, and it's insane. And so Tom's like, "Oh boy, good going out there. Uh, if you ever see him again, can you tell him I'll be looking for him?" And Rosie's like, "Sure," and walks away. And you're like, "What the <laughs> fuck is this? What the fuck is this?" Tom Atkins, worst police officer of all time. <laughs> At the very least, interference with a crime scene, right? Because right. She's she's just saying, no, arrest me, and allowing for him to get away. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, there's something there. Uh, at, do, yeah, Atkins, his exact words to her goes, lady, I got skunked again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you fucking didn't apprehend a murderer. <laughs> Serial <laughs> Skunked killer. again. Skunked again. Oh, boy. Um... Oh, and like much to what you said, he goes, and I have to report this. <laughs> like his big concern is that he has to now write a report where he's like, I got bamboozled by some dame saying it was me. <laughs> his words, not mine about the, the dame. The chief is probably like, oh, for fuck this again, <laughs> this, this again, again, Tom. This guy blew another <laughs> fucking case <laughs> because of a dame. He's always writing about dames, always getting skunked. Whatever that means. <laughs> He's just the guy they like can't fire. They're like, what the fuck? Now, I want I want to crowdsource like origin stories of big <laughs> characters in Romero films. <laughs> I'm so with it. Um, that's not the end though. We cut to no, a plus ending. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> it should be the end. He escaped. He won. It, we cut to Henry. We cut to Henry, who has become a, a surfer dude. <laughs> dude, he's turned. He's turned into uh, Malcolm McDowell in, in Rob Zombie's Halloween. Oh, yeah. He's trying. To, he's trying to be younger. <laughs> long hair, blonde, long-haired wig, <laughs> tied in a ponytail. And by the way, and all he's doing is push, pushing a cart, and for some reason, the boss is like, "I'll fucking kill you, you piece of shit." 
dude. And this guy's I've, face is so old and ugly looking. <laughs> it's so aged. That it looks I, so bizarre. I've never seen an angrier character in my life than this boss at the very, at the very end. This boss is furious. He's like, why are you fucking looking at me? <laughs> and then Milo... Or not Milo. Henry turns around, revealing that he has his white face back to yes. to kill his boss, which <laughs> probably not great. Would you did that that guy? Nobody's deserved it more. No, absolutely not. Um, and then that's that's where we end. Um, and then it ends with a terrible cover of "Take on Me." Um, <laughs> yes, who? I didn't look up who did that. I didn't either, but it's not the Misfits. Um, Take home, and it's not the real big fish one. No, it's not real big fish. It's like it had to be nine. Let's look at ninety eight. It had to be. I don't know. I don't know what it was, man. Yeah, I. It's so funny that neither of us looked it up. The only two people that would look it up were like, (laughs) 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 we know we're going to talk about it, but Sean, Sean, Sean. (laughs) I found. I found the answer. Is it MXPX? No, it's not. It's way more stupid because I can't even pronounce it. Just type in Take On Me Bruiser 2000. <laughs> Take On Me. <laughs> it's Tom Atkins. Fucking it's, not, it's not Tom Atkins. Are you serious right now? Wol- <laughs> the Wolstan Kinder. <laughs> Wolstan's Kinder. Wolstan Kinder. Come on, man. What? What, what is that even? What is that? Take On The Wolf- classic Wolstan's Kinder song. I mean, that sounds like a band named that. <laughs> a punk band from Cologne, Germany. Maybe they'll open for Kraftwerk when you see them. <laughs> I can, dude, if that happens, we for sure live in a simulation. <laughs> oh, man. Good for them. Look at them. Getting that getting that big, big payday. Yikes. Uh, that that cover sucked. That that was one of the worst covers I've ever fucking heard in my life. And I just looked it. up. They have they have like they have six albums. That's so much because they were only around for ten a lot. Years. That was a lot. Ten years. They were from ninety five to two thousand five. I was, I saw that they had a double disc live live <laughs> they had a set live album from two thousand five. Double disc. What are they performing? <laughs> Unbelievable. We actually have a lot of fans in Germany. I wonder if they know them. Like, I hope. Yeah. What's like, uh, Andy, Andy, our boy Andy. Yeah. Um, maybe he'll message us and be Andy, like, let us know. He's usually on our side, though. He'll probably be like, God damn it. They're fucking the worst. <laughs> Never know, though. Um, and that's it for uh, Romero, man. That's it for double fucking this, Romero. Double disc live album. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's if what do you give what do you give Bruiser? Bruiser, well, this ending has me like a little bit <laughs> not exactly thrilled on it. Um <laughs> I, I would say I would say Bruiser for me a solid three. I'm giving it I'm giving it a three to. I think a three is fair. I think a three is a fair Yeah. Yeah, three is good. Three yeah. three. Three is good. So that's it for Romero. We only have one more segment of his um, life left, man. Um, 
crazy. The last three movies he'll make. But we're t- next week is our live show. Oh, that's fucking right. Oh, that's going to be such a nice break. Um, <laughs> yeah, so live show next week. Oh, that's awesome. So live show next week, we're doing Creep Show. That's going to be so much fucking fun. It's going to be fun. Let's get drunk. Let's uh, Let's get silly. Let's watch Creep Show, laugh at Tom Atkins, being an angry dad. And, uh, yeah, maybe do some trivia this time. Maybe if I can get my shit together, probably won't, but, um, join us for that. Patreon.com slash I hate horror. Um, you can sign up there. Uh, again, tickets aren't for sale. Um, but you can find all of our links and stuff. Patreon.com slash no, I hate horror.com. You can find all the links there. Um, Patreon is patreon.com slash I hate horror. We're at facebook.com slash I hate horror, Instagram at I hate horror, and Twitter occasionally at I hate horror show. Uh, Joe, where can they find you? Uh, Instagram, Boognish1985. Perfect. And then, so we're going to do, I'm so excited. So we're going to do Creep Show next week, and then we'll finish off Serial Killer with Land of the Dead, Diary of the Dead, and Survival of the Dead. I can't wait. I, I did. I mean, there's no reason. For, I mean, there is a reason, but there's no reason for us to be like, these are going to be terrible. Right. Everything he's done, we're like. I mean, I with. don't I don't have a good feeling about it, but <laughs> I'm excited for land. I'm, I'm excited land. For land. Land has like crazy critical response. Like, good. I saw it in theaters when it came out and I liked it. So and we'll see something if it happened. Up. See if it holds up. Yeah. Um, not like the other two. And then, of course, after that, we got July. I can't wait for July. Is Paul going to do them with us or no? He said yes. Listen, Rachel gave me the scoop. He's he's low, He's excited for it. He puts on a front in the fucking group chat. <laughs> well, that's infuriating. because he's <laughs> Just group- two, the two people he just needs to communicate with. <laughs> in group chat. All we need is like yes or no. And he's like, I'm trying to find a way to get out of it. Paul, I don't know what the fuck that means. Like, is that a joke or are you serious? I don't know. And I, it's fine if you don't want to do it. Well, I'm glad that I'll be very glad to have him as part of all of July. People want it. I mean, shout out, shout out to uh, Travis H who, who always supports us and always has kind things about all of our episodes. Uh, he is super stoked to have Paul on. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. It's been a while. So, yeah, that'll be fun. That'll actually be super fun. When's the last time he was on? I don't know. We only really did bonuses and live shows. That's right, that's right. And they kind of like blended together. Remember um, you showed up to my house during a live show and just asked me questions while, while during the most <laughs> could ask me watching a movie. So you could ask me a question anytime that the movie's on because I'm on mute. But <laughs> just, just talks to me while the only time that you and I are talking. That was actually amazing. <laughs> that made for like the best live show <laughs> content of all time. Also, like all your kids were, your kids were sleeping. Like it was. <laughs> you came over with a bag full of Toshiro Mufuni DVDs. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait! No, there's it... no Toshiro Mufuni, and then there's something that there was like an Owen Wilson. Movie. There was like an Owen Wilson movie or something at the top. Some, like, shitty comedy from, like, the 2000s. No, no. It was fucking Capote. It's the German Capote movie. That's so he's, stupid. He's so fucking... Why does he have that? Why he's so he have fucking that? weird. 
He's the best. All right. Um, so that's it, guys. So we will see you next week. Uh, if you're Patreon, um, come join us, please, Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you're not, we will see you uh, June 28th, or see us or hear us, June 28th for the final installment of uh, George Romero's Serial Killer. Um, yes. And that's it, guys. So thank you all so much. Thanks to Joe. And for Joe, this is Sean. Stay weird. Thank you. Adios. The smallest things. <laughs> the smallest things give me a great cock stand. A whorish movement of your mouth, a little brown stain on the seat of your white drawers, a sudden dirty word spluttered out by your wet lips, a sudden immodest noise made by you behind, and then a bad smell slowly curling up. Uh, out of your backside.